What's up, Ace 12? How you guys doing tonight? I'm great. So, uh, you know, we've been in this series, Battlefield, and uh, I'll let you guys, uh, as you move back to your seats, I'll just kind of give you, we've been in this series, Battlefield, and the reason we've been in this series is because we want you to know, we want you to be aware of, we want you to have the idea that, that what you got going on in your life oftentimes has more to it than what meets the eye, than what seems to be present on the surface. And so the first week of this series, I talked to you about how there are realities out there that exist that we may not see, but we can see the influences of. There are spiritual realities. In Ephesians 6, which I'm going to read it again here in a minute, we talked about the first part of it. Uh, the first week of the series, we're going to talk about the second part of it. The last week of the series here. But it tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, our struggle is not against human things, but we wrestle against these rulers and spiritual authorities and things that are going on in the heavenly realms. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've unpacked that. And so a couple of weeks ago, the week after that, I talked about Satan and I talked about his plan and how he worked. I talked about his personality and I talked about his problem that he's already been defeated, that he did everything in his power to stop Jesus from going to the cross. But praise be to God that Jesus went to the cross, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross, died for your sin and my sin, that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again, defeating sin and death and Satan and now, as we talked about that night, as I encourage you to memorize 1 John 4, 4, which says this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that is something to be praised. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we sing. That's why we get excited about Jesus, because we have the power of God in us through Christ. That's so beautiful. It's so amazing that we have something that can unlock the struggles and the difficulties and the pain and the trials that we will face. And so I want to show you how these things work. And we've been talking about through this, through this series. And I want to show you how to get victory. We've been talking a little bit about that. And I ask you the first week as a challenge off of that first week is to memorize the armor of God. That's something we've been talking about through this whole series. I even challenge you throughout the last four weeks to pray the armor of God every day. Because the Bible here in Ephesians chapter 6 really lays it out to us and it tells us to put on the armor of God. Well, if we are supposed to put this thing on, it's kind of important for us to know what it is in order to put it on. And so if you got your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6, and if you don't have one, there's under your seat there, uh, uh, under your seat there's a, a, a Bible, and there's also notes in your hand. And I want to read uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. And I want you to check this, and I want to give you a, uh, a few points to go off of. I'm going to talk through the armor a little bit, and we've got a few, uh, few surprises for you tonight that I'm pumped about. So you guys ready? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So let's read it. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17. It says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Who are we strong in? The Lord, right? We're strong in the Lord. This isn't our strength. None of us has the strength to overcome the things that we have in our life. That it is in his mighty power that we can overcome. It's his strength. Then verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand, if you got a pen, underline stand or write it on your notes, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not human struggle, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, verses 13, this is where we're going to camp out today. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. This is the second time he says put on the full armor of God. Not parts of it, but full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Underline stand there. And after you've done everything to stand, underline stand, then stand, underline stand again. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and when your feet fittedness with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, who we talked about a couple weeks ago. In verse 17, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want to jump back up to verse 13. This is where we're going to camp out today. And I want to show you a little bit of some stuff in this scripture that I think will help you out, that will help you understand and bring together this entire series. I want you to notice what it says right here in verse 13. It says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God. Look, notice what it says, So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Basically what he's saying is, listen, you're gonna put this armor on because when the day of evil comes, you need to be ready to stand your ground. In other words, what he's saying is, you need to prepare. You need to get ready. And so the first point I wanna to talk to you about is this, is that I wanna, is, 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 is this, this is the title, keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. Now that means to be alert, to be ready. Notice what he says here in this passage, for when the day of evil comes. What he's saying here is that, listen, it's coming. It's not, it's not like it's not going. No, when it's going to come. There's going to be a time in your life where the pressure is going to come, where the enemy is going to attack, and you got to be ready. And he says, listen, keep your head on a swivel. Now, I played football. Any football players in the house? We got any football players? I played football, and, um, and our coach would always tell us, keep our head on the swivel. What that means is to be ready, to be looking all the time. And why do you keep your head on a swivel? The reason you keep your head on a swivel is so you don't get smashed. You know what I'm saying? You don't get blindsided. So I was uh, in a football game, and we were playing Thomasville High School up in North Carolina. I'll never forget it. I played football for six years. This was the hardest hit I ever took in my entire life. It was on the kickoff team. And we were kicking the ball off, and we kicked the ball off. And I'm running down the field, and I love hitting people. I love tackling people. Defense is definitely my favorite. And so I'm running down the field, and the guy, the, the guy is running with the ball, and he's coming. And, dude, I am about to lay him out. And so I'm running full speed, and I go to, like, just, just, just jack him. And dude, the next thing I know, I am like 15 yards down the field. I'm seeing stars. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. Like it's like three plays later before I even realized I was playing football again. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been hit like that before? Like, I mean, dude, I was like, he knocked me. And what happened was, is that I got blindsided. I didn't have my head on the swivel. I was so focused on the guy running the ball. Then I was like, yeah, like I got smashed. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me put it in perspective. I, I will, and I just love watching people get hit. So uh, why don't we check out a little video? This is exactly what happened to me. Check this video out. Sit away. 
Benjamin from the 23. as Benjamin gets out near the 40. What a collision. Jordan Futch, with a head of steam, just blew up Steven Sylvester of Tech. <laughs> Whoa, did you see that coming from center field? And it, it's here comes a return. Get your head on a swivel, ear hole, deluxe. Oh. Miami right now is just playing fired up football. They're playing fast, here it is again. They're showing it again and again on the big screen, and you can hear the crowd reacting. Whoa. That's all fine and dandy and funny as long as you're not a Georgia Tech right? Dang. This is what I've learned. I've learned that your enemies always like to hit you when you ain't looking. In fact... Hitler conquered Europe in World War II by doing something called the Blitzkrieg, or meaning lightning war. Where when a country would just be hanging out on a regular day, not knowing that they were even in danger, he would take his entire army and overrun the entire country before they had a chance to prepare their troops to fight back. On 9-11, on 9-11, our nation was attacked by flame, planes flying into a building. Some of you probably don't remember that because that was quite a few years back. But I could tell you everything that happened that day. I can tell you where I was when I heard it. I can tell you every piece of information about that day. You've got to keep your head on a swivel. You've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. You know, later on, Peter tells us this this way, 1 Peter 5, 8. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago and talking about saying, Be alert, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have to be alert. You have to be ready. You cannot treat casually your life as if there is not an enemy out there that wants to destroy you. And this is what I know. Some of you in this room have already been blindsided. You've been blindsided by life. You've been blindsided by a circumstance. You've been blindsided by a trial or a pain or something that you would say, man, there is no one in this room that understands. And you are probably right. The only one who understands is God. And I'm here to tell you, the enemy is waiting for you to get focused on something else so that he can knock you out. And it, it stinks when you get blindsided. So not only do we keep our head on a swivel, but the second thing we see in this passage is to take a stand. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of putting on this armor of God that he tells us about? So that we can take a stand. And notice four times in just these few verses he mentions to stand. Four times. Now listen, if the Bible says it one time, that is enough. If it says it twice, okay, God, I get it. You got my attention. If he says it three times, it's like, dude, I better just memorize it and like just like, like paint it all over my house. Like I just better not forget it. If he says it four times, you better believe it's serious. 
why do you think that Paul puts so much attention here on telling us that we need to be ready to take a stand? Why is he telling us this about putting on the armor of God so that we can stand? Because he knows how difficult it is to stand. He knows how difficult it is to stand. I meet with students every week that are falling down. He's saying, listen, you need to stand for your convictions. You need to stand for Jesus. You need to stand in moments of temptation. You need to stand when nobody else in the room is standing. When you're at the party and everyone else is going that way, you are not going that way because you're a follower of Christ and you take a stand. That's what you do. And it's not easy. And it's not easy. It's not easy. You know why I know it's not easy? Been there, done that. You know it. He tells us four times, stand. Take a stand. I love this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. Here's the quote. There are many ways to fall, but only one way to stand. I can fall this way, I can fall this way, I can fall this way, I can fall this way. I can fall many different ways, maybe infinite numbers of ways. I can fall on my head, I can fall on my butt, I can fall on my knees, I can fall on my face. I can fall many different ways, but there's only one way to stand. And students, let me tell you something. You know what Gwinnett County needs. You know what your high school needs. You know what your family needs. You know what your sports team needs. You know what you need. You know what the student ministry needs. You know what the kingdom of God needs. It needs students that are, that are tired of being soft and weak in their lives and are ready to put on the full armor of God and say, I'm going to take a stand for something that matters. I'm going to take a stand for God and I'm going to do something so big for God's glory that nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. Listen, here's the deal. He says, he says, this is how you stand. And he tells us, this is how you stand. Put on the full armor of God. He doesn't say put on parts of the armor of God. He says put on the full armor of God. This is so important. The Greek word here in the original language where it talks about it literally means to put on every piece of the armor. Why is that important? They would have understood this in this day. For the Roman soldier, they were, they, the punishment for a Roman soldier to lose one piece of his armor in battle was death. That's how serious the armor is. There is no concept of a soldier during this day of putting on their armor and not putting on every piece of it. And he's saying, listen, you got to put on the full armor. It's not about picking pieces here and there. It's about putting on the full armor. And if you put on the full armor, this is how you stand. You stand by putting the full armor on. That this is what helps. This is the secret. This is what helps give you power. And see, the truth is, is that when Tony Stark is hanging out, he's just a man. But when Tony Stark puts on the full armor, he's Iron Man. When Derek Idol is just hanging out, that's me if you don't know. I'm just a man. But when I put on the armor of God, I am God's man. And I am unstoppable. 
And when you put on the armor of God, you are God's man. You are God's woman, and you are unstoppable. Are you not tired of being weak? Are you not tired of folding every time you get in a difficult situation? Are you not tired of being depressed? Are you not tired of complaining about all the problems that you have in your life? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm tired of that stuff in my life. I have the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is over me, who is guiding me, who is leading me, who loves me, who is there for me, who has wrapped me in his armor, and I'm unstoppable, and so are you if you're a follower of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 14 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, divine power means God's power. In other words, the weapons that we are fighting fighting with aren't the weapons of the world, but they have God's power behind it, that this armor has God's power behind it. So this is why we wanted you to memorize the armor of God. This is why we want you to put it on every day. And I am about to go through every piece of this armor of God just briefly, just a little snippet of each one of them. And then I'm going to close out with a story. But before we do that, all of this talk has got me a little bit amped up. Has it got you amped up a little bit? It makes me, it makes me wanna, it makes me wanna fight or at least see somebody fight. How about you guys? So uh so we're we're I think we got some soldiers in the house that are going to get a little battle going for us. So you guys give it up. Give it up for our soldiers. Yeah. I think this side is pulling for this guy and this side's pulling for this guy. Let's get it on. for our guys from Medieval Times. Yeah, go check out Medieval Times. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys. That was awesome. Yes. So listen, I want to talk through just here for just really quickly, just a few pieces of the the armor so that you guys can see it, so that you guys can, can, can see what he's telling. Notice what he says here. He starts out and he says this. He says, put the belt of truth around your waist. 
Now, during this time, what they would do is they would wear a belt, and the belt would cover the lower abdomen. It would protect their bowels, and it would hold everything up. And so if you can imagine, and this is how I think of the belt of truth in my life, truth holds everything up. My belt holds my pants up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> truth holds everything up. Truth is the foundation for everything that we believe about life, everything we believe about everything that we do, and every decision that we make to live our life is based off of truth. And so we see this. Jesus says, I am the truth. The second piece of the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, armament is this, the breastplate of righteousness. And you can see, here's, a, uh, here's an example of the breastplate. And if you'll notice, the breastplate covers all of the vital organs. It covers the heart. It covers the, the lungs. It covers the liver. It covers all of the vital organs in battle. You would never want to go into battle without the blessed breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness or righteousness means to be in right standing with God. That literally it's you saying, I've given my life to God. I'm in right standing with him. And I live out my life with righteous acts. That there's good works in my life that, that, that my behavior reflects or my life reflects the fact that I've had an encounter with Christ. The third piece of the armament is shoes fit with readiness. Shoes are so important for the soldier. Shoes are so important for the soldier in battle. And he tells us here that shoes fit with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Basically what he's telling us here is that we need to be ready to share. We need to be ready to share our faith, be ready to share what is in us, that this is a part of, of who we are. And then he goes on, he says, the shield of faith. The Roman, the Roman shield was four feet tall. It was two and a half feet wide. And, and it, would, it was, had leather stretched from the top to the bottom. It had a wood frame around it with, uh, that was then wrapped in metal. And, and they would soak it in water when they would go into battle so that when the enemy would launch its flaming arrows towards them, the water from the shield in the leather as the arrows stuck in would extinguish it. And he says here, put on the shield of faith for it extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. And here's the truth. The truth is, is that the enemy's always throwing flaming arrows at us. And we, we have, we know this in our life. Just because you say, man, I have faith or I've given my life to Christ, that doesn't mean that difficulty is not going to find your life. It doesn't mean that your parents may not get a divorce. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, cancer in your family. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a friend betray you. It doesn't mean that your boyfriend or girlfriend is not going to break your heart. It does not mean those things. But what happens is, is that for the believer, when those things happen, we respond differently. Why? Because we have the shield of faith on, and faith really means to trust and so we trust God and we say God it doesn't matter what he shoots at me I trust you and I trust everything that you have for me and it doesn't matter what comes my way you will extinguish it and I can have trust and faith in you for that in my life that's the shield the shield of faith <clears throat> the next piece is the helmet of salvation the salvation is the ultimate protection Barth's uh, uh, commentator suggests that the helmet is the helmet of victory. 
that he's talking about here. But the helmet of salvation, that listen, man, it paramount, at the, at the height of everything, the thing that matters the most is, is, is the helmet of salvation, that, that you've surrendered your life to God. And the picture here is even the idea that putting on the armor isn't necessarily this physical armor, but it's literally putting on Christ, it's putting on faith, it's putting on righteousness, it's putting on these, tip, these specific things so that we could battle in, 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 this, uh, in the battle that's in front of us. And then, then he says, then the last piece is this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That you're picking up the sword to go into battle. And the sword is the word of God. Man, you're not going to go into a battle with, without a sword. You got to have an offensive weapon. Jesus used scripture when he was being tempted in Matthew chapter 4 to defeat Satan. David tells us in Psalm chapter 119, he says, I've hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against God. That the word of God is our sword. It is our offensive weapon. And here's the truth. If you are just going to run, you're not going to put on the armor. If you're going to run from the enemy, you are not going to put on the armor. Why? Because armor weighs you down. The only reason that you would put on the armor is if you're going to fight. And he's saying here, listen, you're in a battle and you're going to fight. Put on the full armor of God. Give it up for these guys. Thank you. Now, <coughs> I, know, uh, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking. You don't understand my circumstance, though. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand the flaming arrows that have flown my way. Like, I hear you talking about this, and that's all good and great, and we could celebrate and cheer and yell out and say amen and get fired up in this room. But you don't know the pressures that are coming at me when I go back home or tomorrow when I go to school or this weekend. And you're right, I don't. But I know that whatever you are dealing with, God is bigger. He's bigger. And I want to share a story with you to show you that no matter what you're doing and no matter what you're dealing with, God is bigger. I want to introduce you to my friend, Brandon. Come on up here, Brandon. Give it up for Brandon. (laughs) Brandon and I are going to have a little conversation with you guys. So, Brandon... Um, man, where are you from? And tell me a little bit about, um, you know, um, I know, you know, you had a, you had a pretty difficult childhood and, uh, tell, tell them a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about just, uh, kind of some of those, those experiences when you were, when you were, when you were young. Well, when I was five years old, uh, my dad committed suicide and I grew up a very angry young man, uh, to say the least. And, um, my mother took my sister and I from Mississippi and we moved here when I was five. And uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty traumatizing experience. Yeah, so you're five years old. Your dad commits suicide. All this anger, everything's pent up. Your mom picks up, moves your whole family here. You know, you're a kid, man. You don't, you know, 
all the things that go in with that. And so then, so then um, you know, you're kind of going on, you're, hang, you're hanging on to this stuff, and then, uh, then, you know, middle school, high school rolls around. What was that experience like for you? Well, of course, uh, you know, my mother, she didn't like talking about the experience. <clears throat> A lot of um, uh, unresolved issues in her own life. And so that led me to, be in, to question really who I was as a person. And I couldn't understand why my father would do something so uh, horrific uh, and abandon us, the family in the way that he did. And so by the time I was in middle school, started smoking weed, uh, drinking alcohol. And uh, quickly before high school was over, I was into the hard stuff, meth, uh, cocaine. And, um, and by the end of high school, I was selling drugs. So you started selling drugs by the end of high school. And then, uh, and then when, uh, when, when uh, kind of after high school, um, that's when it really started to, to pick up and just kind of fall apart, right? What, what, what happened with that? Well, you know, uh, in high school, you have a, a little bit uh, more of accountability. And uh, once, you, once you get out, I mean, it, uh, if, you, if you're not prepared for life on life's terms, as they say, it can hit you pretty hard. And uh, so very quickly, my addiction turned from bad to worse. Um, I started intravenously using methamphetamine and heroin and pain pills. And uh, very quickly after that, um, my life had uh, become uh, out of control, very abusive in relationships, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally unstable, and uh, all the way up until the point to where it led me uh, down dark roads that I never could have even imagined myself uh, going down. Um, eventually, I, I uh, end up uh, in and out of jail, institutions, homeless shelters, um, the whole nine yards. Um, and, so, and so in that process... Uh, uh, you met a guy who was selling drugs for, uh, you know, for, for some other people, and then uh, you ended up kind of taking over his stuff. When he, tell a little bit about that. Well, um, strung out on heroin. I uh, couldn't get any one night, so I called someone that I knew that was selling meth. He came to my house, and I dropped it off. A long story short, um, he goes to jail, and uh, I knew that he was selling for some very unscrupulous types of people. So who, who was he selling for? Uh, for the Mexican drug cartels. So this guy's selling drugs for the Mexican drug cartels. He brings you some of these drugs. He goes to jail. And then what happens? Well, of course, uh, my friend, who was actually more of a brother of mine at the time, I mean, just like very close. And uh, so, you know, I'm trying to do everything in my power that I can in order to help him out of his situation. That's how I end up getting hooked up with this guy. I'm trying to, to get him out of the situation. And, uh, but his, um, but the, you know, the cartel's uh, idea was a little bit different than mine. And so they, you know, met me at my home, started bringing me drugs and, uh, started selling for them. So you're selling drugs for the Mexican drug cartel. And, uh, and, uh, and then one day, um, the SWAT team shows up. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, unkind invitation. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah. uninvited. Um, so I was sitting at my home, been, uh, home for a very short amount of time. And, uh, next thing you know, uh, there comes the door flying off the hinges and, uh, Marietta SWAT team takes me to jail on seven felony drug charges. So you're in jail now, seven felony drug charges. And I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, you sell drug for the Mexican drug cartel, bro. That's not a, that's, that's a pretty serious deal. And so. So that you're, you're in jail, and while you're in jail, um, you, uh, you end up meeting some guys there, start having some conversations, and kind of what transpired from that? Well, uh, for a long time, the reason I was using these drugs is because, you know, there was a void in my life that I couldn't feel any other way. Just, um, you know, peer pressure, uh, low self-esteem, 
Uh, so, you know, that, that's what led me into that kind of lifestyle. But I grew up in church, and because I grew up in church, there was a foundation that was laid in my life. And so I knew what the answer was. And so once I got into general population, I noticed some guys over in the corner praying. And so I automatically knew that, you know, that's where, where I needed to be. Here I am in a strange situation uh, around a bunch of individuals that honestly probably did not have my best in, <laughs> intentions in mind. And so, uh, you know, but I was done. I was defeated. I was just completely broken. And I knew where my, where my answers lie. So I started going to this prayer circle. Uh, the very first night that I was there, uh, I just remember so vividly uh, the Holy Spirit just touch, tugging on my heart. And uh, I had come to the realization that, yeah, I was in jail. I was going to prison. I had seven felony drug charges, no money, and a court-appointed attorney. So I was in pretty rough shape. But at the same time, I understood that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. Yeah. And so it wasn't in... So when I got real with the Lord for the first time in my life, I've had spiritual encounters in the past, responded to altar calls and that kind of thing, but I never made an investment with my life. So how I got, the, how, how'd that conversation go with God? Well, I got real with him, you know, and I said, you know, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know how this is supposed to work. You know, I'm supposed to pray and have a relationship with someone that I can't see, and I don't understand how that's supposed to work. And the more I ask people, you know, what are you talking about? I need God in my life. I need to pray. I need, you know, to have this uh, personal relationship. But I just don't understand what that means. And it honestly made me become angry at even the thought. And so I told God, I said, look, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. You know, I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. I need you to show me how to do this. I'm not asking you to get me out of the trouble that I've gotten myself into. I'm not asking you to keep me from going to prison because I know that I deserve those things. But God, I don't want this to be another wasted opportunity in my life. I'm asking you to change my heart. Yeah, and in, that, in the midst of that conversation, <laughs> praise be to God, he delivered me in an instant from the taste of drugs, alcohol, and even tobacco. Wow. <clears throat> so good. So you give your life to Christ. God has, like, radically changed you. And uh, I know, you know, a little bit of your story is now you're, I mean, dude, you're, like, preaching at the prison, man, all the, or the jail, like, all the people, you know, the, the general population, they're coming to you. You're having conversations with them about God. You're just kind of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, just, just growing like crazy. You had some, a lot of time on your hands being yeah. in jail. And uh, so, uh, so you're reading the Bible a lot. You're learning all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then you kind of got to this point where, like, you know, you, you tell God, hey, God, I, I know I deserve this, and I know you got a plan for me, and I don't really care what happens here as long as you have my heart. But at the same time, you don't want to spend the rest of your life in prison, right? Absolutely not. So you had, so you had this conversation with God, and, uh, and uh, tell, tell us a little bit about this kind of conversation that you had when you're praying and talking to him, and you were, you know, yeah. Well, this was about a month and a half in, and I am just steady pressing into everything that, you know, I believe God has for me, just studying the word, just trying to, trying to stay positive and encouraged and poured into the lives of other people. And then, you know, I just had one of those days, man, and I was in my room by myself, and I was just talking to the Lord, and I'm like, look, you know, I'm even getting angry a little bit, you know, because I got no, at this point, I really didn't have an attorney. And I had no money, and I have seven felonies, and I'm like, man, the only option that I have is a court-appointed attorney. And, you know, I'm going, there's no way around it. I'm going to prison. You know, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to, you know, at least calm me down in this moment. You know, I'm a, obviously I'm a real person with real problems, amen? Yeah. So, you know, uh, but anyway, so I'm having this conversation. I step out of the room, and I'm just trying to cool off, walk around a minute. And across the way, they have video uh, visitation in Cobb County Jail. And, you know, one of the inmates, they were waving to me, hey, Western, come over here. I need you to uh, meet somebody. And I'm like, man, I'm into that right now, you know. And 
But anyway, I walk over there, and on the screen was a total stranger. I'd never met him before in my life, never seen him before in my life. Cobb County Jail is the second largest jail in the state of Georgia. And in order to see a chaplain in the Cobb County Jail, you have to go through some pretty uh, rigorous hoops. And, uh, but just so happens this man came to see me because he had heard about my faithfulness to the Lord. And so God sent that man into that jail cell that day. And he said, Mr. Western, I have three things I want to say to you. He said, number one, Jesus loves you. He said, number two, I love you. And number three, I want you to know that I have the answer to your prayers. He said, that's right. He said, have you ever heard of Team Challenge? And in that moment, I just broke down. Tears hitting the floor. Now tell them just like, uh, like a 10-second like a thing, what is Teen Challenge? Teen Challenge is a Christian discipleship program where men, women, adolescents, our facility is for men 17 and older, and it's a residential program that's a minimum commitment of 12 months. And it's for people who are in kind of like your right, situation. who have drug, alcohol, or other kind of life-controlling issue problems. Okay. And so, so you, you, uh, uh, he tells you that, that this, you know, this is an opportunity and you just lose it, right? I mean, yeah, in front of everyone, you know, and just, I really didn't care because I knew that God had his hand on my life. And so you, so the, the judge appointed you to teen challenge. You went to that and, uh, and now you actually work for them, right? Yeah. I'm actually the assistant director for the entire program. Man, it's amazing. So. I wanted him to share his story for this reason. I don't care what you think your problems are. Most of you are not selling meth for the Mexican drug cartel. Most of you. In and out of homeless shelters, strung out on heroin. Most of you, that's not your situation. Father commits suicide when you're five years old. Let me tell you something. I know there's some big stuff in this room. I know there's some heavy issues. We talk about it all the time. But I want you to see how God's grace invades a messed up life and changes it and turns it upside down. And change. That is what God does. That nothing else in this world can give you a hope. Nothing else in this world can give you a peace except for Jesus. That's the reason he says, put on the full armor of God. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus because you have no hope with anything else. So here's the deal. There's some of you in here tonight. And tonight is your faith moment. Maybe you've been blindsided by life. Maybe taking a stand it's just out of the question for you because you don't have the power of Christ in you to begin with. But you need to know something. 1 John 1, 9 says, For those who confess them sins, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we all have sin in our life. We all have junk in our life. None of us in this room are perfect. I hear people tell me, you Christians think you're all perfect. No, no, no. The mere admission of me saying that I'm a Christian is me saying I'm screwed up and I need God's grace. None of us are perfect. We can pretend all we want, but we're not. That is what makes John 3.16, the most overused Christian verse in all of the Bible, so powerful. That for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on a cross. He gave his only son so that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life.
every person. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and we will be saved. And so listen, we were not planning on this tonight. But you know what? God sometimes arrests a moment. He takes over and he gives a prompt to a pastor and he says, be obedient. And I believe that there are people in this room tonight that need to make today their day when they put on the armor of God. But in reality, they need to put on Christ. They need to surrender their life to Jesus. And so this is what I'm going to do. The band's going to come up here, and they're going to close us out. And they're going to close us out in a song, and then they'll come up. And as they come up here, this is what I want to do. If you're in here, before, before they start with this song, if you're in here and you say, man, I need, I need to give my life to Jesus. That's me tonight. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I need it tonight. I've been blindsided. I need it. And this is what I'm asking you to do. And I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, it's going to be scary. What I'm asking you to do is going to be scary. Will you take a stand? Will you take a stand? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three in a minute. And when I get to three, I want you to stand. If that's you. And then I want everybody else to kind of allow those people to make their way out of the aisles and Brandon and I are going to meet you right outside of those doors we're going to go in the response room and I want to talk to you a little bit about that decision while we're playing the last song and then we'll come in and then we'll dismiss to go to swirls down the road for anybody that wants to go get some free yogurt which is exciting So if you're here tonight and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I need to make a stand. This is my moment. This is my night. This is my moment. This is my night. If that's you in here, this is what I want to to say. I'm going to count to three. I want you to take a stand up. You ready? One, two, three. Stand up if that's you. Stand up. Stand up. Unashamed. Unashamed. Take a stand. Unashamed. Don't care what anybody else thinks. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. You know what those cheers are for? It's because we know that that you're set free. So that's what I want to ask you to do. Go ahead and head towards the middle aisle. If you're close to the out, just step out and head out to those back doors. Brandon and I will meet you out there in the, in the, uh, in the hallway. We'll go over to the response room, and uh, we'll see you out there in a second. The rest of you guys worship well.